0: Kahen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. Kahen and Little Red Hen. Just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Well, welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails with me, Forrest Whitman, your your host. We're sitting here in the K-H-E-N caboose. Uh, it's a little chilly, so I've... Uh, I've thrown a little coal on the in the old potbelly stove. Boy, nothing heats it up like a little, little coal in there, even though um, in, in, in the current day we're moving away from coal, but it, it warms things up here. And um, if you look out the window, you, you'll see as we pass through the sort of the mountainside, there's snow, but it's not deep snow. Uh, they haven't gotten, the, I don't think the flangers, I don't think we've had a flanger out yet this year. So, um, we're still rolling along through the snow, and we have a guest, a wonderful guest. Uh, um, Fred Friedman has uh, followed transportation in northern New Mexico particularly, southern Colorado a lot too, for, for many years. And uh, <clears throat> it's really going have, to have him, well, it's going to have a fun time for us all. Can, are, are you there? Can you hear me, Fred?
2: I sure can, uh, Forrest, and I appreciate the chance to be here.
0: Well, it's nice to have you here. He, uh, for many years, was sort of one of the gurus of transportation planning. Uh, Fred, where did you mainly transport? Where did you mainly plan? Uh, I work for the
2: state of New Mexico, and, and, uh, you know, Forrest, uh, um, the other day I was looking through some of your former recordings, and one of the guests that you have had on uh, a, a few times is Randy Grauberger. Nice. And 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 Randy is intimately familiar with with railroad issues in Colorado. I mean, he's so smart on that subject, it's almost scary. <laughs> but 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 Randy and I started out really as counterparts. He was the head railroad planner for uh, the state of Colorado when he worked for the Department of Transportation there, and I did the same thing for the state of New Mexico from about. Oh, the mid seventies, all the way up till oh, 2003. So I did railroad planning and project activities
0: for the state for about 30 years.
1: Very nice. Yes. Hey, Do you mind if I, and he
0: has, he has retired to play golf in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and, uh, we wish him well, um, we miss him. I'll tell you, he, uh, he knew what was going on with rails. Oh, yeah. For sure. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you mind if I step in here for us? Things are going good up here in the engine. Looks like we got clear sailing for this show today. But I wanted to tell our listeners and give them a little uh, idea of what's going on here. I haven't met Fred before. And when he came on, he's in a rail car, an antique rail car. And I went, who is this guy? Well, it turns out that it's a Zoom background. <laughs> nice job, sir. Very nice to meet yeah. you.
2: And uh Well, R- Richard, tell me the other half of that. That I, <clears throat> I decided I didn't want to do it all the time, but I can't get out of it. So it's sort of a a, a yeah. it's a, a f- fitting fate for a railroad planner to be stuck in a rail car for infinity.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, very there nice. you very go. Well, Forrest, uh Turn I'm turn I'm gonna turn you loose
0: with Mr. Fred Friedman. We're we are Fred and I are turned loose. We're 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 out of the road. no but that say a little more about your, your background that well say another thing where you're saying that this is an actual an actual dining car that is your your back well I know it's a picture but, but um Yes, say it, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's let, let me
2: just, if I may, for us, it, you give a little oh. background on that. The, the this there's a branch line that runs up from the main in Lamy, New Mexico, which is the Amtrak stop for the Southwest Chief. It's the Amtrak stop for Santa Fe. There's a branch line from there that runs up to the city of Santa Fe that was constructed in 1880. That line has gone through a series of of up and down financial issues. And it sort of has a reputation of almost arising from its own ashes um, in multiple um, times throughout its 140-year history. Most recently, it was purchased by um, George Martin, author of Game of Thrones, and some other investors in Santa Fe. And they made some interesting statements about the purchase of the branch line here and this relates to the car, because this is one of the cars that they use on their excursions. What they said is, you know, we don't have the kind of scenery that they have on the Cumbres and Toltec or the Durango Silverton. What we need to sell is the trip itself and the activities on the train. And because of that, they are trying a number of different scenarios for tourist railroad attractions. They're looking at Um, murder mystery trains they're looking at karaoke trains uh special dining uh excursions astronomy trips out to uh Uh, the prairie where it's dark at night for uh, looking at the stars and uh, with uh, an on board, a a trip like that would be an astronomer, an astronomer from uh, one of the local universities to point out what people are looking at. So um, it looks like this branch line when it was uh, scheduled for abandonment a couple of times is back and quite active. So we're glad to see that. And anyway, that's where this rail car thing came from.
0: And that's where your background came from this morning, the background you can't escape. Yeah,
2: that's true. That's true.
0: Um, Well, since we're on that subject, um, and and we've, well, you know, we've, we hit a lot of subjects here, but um, can you stay in Lamey? Is there any hotel or anything in in Lamey itself?
2: Not now. There used to be a, a Harvey house there called the L. Ortiz. It was the smallest one of Harvey's hotels, and um, a number of tourists that stayed there en route from Chicago to the West Coast decided it was such an enchanting place. They canceled the rest of their trip, stayed there for an additional week, and caught the train back to Chicago. They oh. said it was perfect. It, it's, it mm-hmm. can't be improved on. It burned down in the 1940s, and it has not been
0: rebuilt yet. Wow uh well they need to get alan affelt in on that thing we we had him on this show once and he's dedicated to rebuilding all the harvey houses and he's done quite a quite a job with it
2: Yep, he's got uh, that one yep the one in las vegas is uh off and running las vegas new mexico that's his
0: too
1: yes we we're familiar we were just there um a couple weeks ago
0: and our our rail travel, our rail travel group was just there
1: the oh. places that's on our list for us. And we haven't got down there is a restaurant or bar that's in Lamy, And it's called help me, Fred,
2: the legal tender,
1: the legal tender. Thank you. That's on our list.
2: Oh, that is wonderful. It's a great place. We'll give you a call. <laughs> oh, d- yeah! I would love to do that. When you were mentioning your rail uh, group, I was just wondering if that was exclusive to uh, Coloradans or if you take outsiders. <laughs> uh, yes,
0: forest. yes, Fred. We, we, yes, we do take outsiders. Um, and what's, what I think is interesting along those lines is we, we get listeners to this show, um, you know, which, of course, comes out of uh, southern Colorado we get listeners all over the place rail fans are funny rail fans sort of sniff out opportunities to take the train somewhere and stay in an an historic hotel that that's part of what they seem to like to do oh yeah and so we get quite a few listeners in that category good well i can if you want me
2: to give you an idea of what my my subject is today i can do that or if uh
0: Uh, Well, yeah, because, okay, this all started because I was talking with with uh, Wayne Arneson, who is in charge of or or promoting, at least, um, the idea of a Ute Memorial um, situation here in southern Colorado. He's it's it it would this would have would happen on uh, Tenderfoot Mountain. It would be I I won't go into that whole thing, but that's what he's doing. And he said, by the way, did you know that um, that chain gangs, the tie gangs, the, um, the gangs that replaced the ties and replaced the rails and all that in along the Santa Fe line were all from different uh, Native American tribes. And I said, well, that's interesting because when I was a kid brakeman on the Burlington Railroad, the, the, the gangs that came out there were not not only uh, homogenous, they were all Mexican. They they spoke Spanish all day long to each other. They lived in company cars. They fixed those up. Some of them had uh, window boxes. So some of them have their wives and kids, and they that's what they did. They were um, most of them are from Portillon uh, um, in in uh, in Mexico, and uh, and he said, oh well, you need to talk with Fred because. Fred can describe the same thing with Native American groups, and um, along the Santa Fe. Now, is is that accurate? Were they sort of like that? Um, they were. There
2: were. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Forrest, they tended to be homogenous, so that there everybody on the gang would speak the same language, and that was necessary just for safety's sake. If, if a rail was about to pop out, or if there was some kind of a dangerous situation, and somebody had said something, everybody had to know what he was talking about. Um, it, it, it's interesting, just to jump forward a, a little bit, after the, the steel gangs had been replaced by mechanization, and a few other things, there were really two things that replaced these 120, 180 gang groups um, in the 1960s and 70s. And the one thing that replaced them was the imposition of affirmative action. Um, It was no longer um, legal for the railroads to have exclusive Navajo gangs, Zuni gangs, um, Arapaho gangs, um, because it was viewed to be discriminatory and they couldn't do that. And uh, the native uh, rail workers saw the danger in that, and they wouldn't work like that. Uh, That was one thing that uh, um, drew an end to the Native American steel gangs. But the other thing was the fact that rail got heavier. Um, Oak ties were replaced by concrete ties that were about four times heavier. And instead of the 39-foot section of rail that could be lifted by four men and moved to a spot rail became quarter mile lengths and then was, uh, was welded together and all that had to be done by machinery so that you ended up uh having the job of 120 workers replaced by a guy in a yellow car uh sitting in an air-conditioned
0: cab <laughs> wow now were those the Spino the spino company i think that was they were that they, was they one did rail grinding and yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Herzog was another, still is. Wow.
0: So. Well, say, say more. I, more about, uh, say, the Navajo gang, or it's hard to imagine that the Zuni, they must have all taken time off on the, the solstice for ceremonies and things like that. Or, or did they follow their ceremonial life? Uh, um uh both and it, it it i'd
2: i'd like to just talk about the navajo railroad workers and one of the pueblos in New Mexico is a Laguna tribe. Each of them were Native American railroad workers. Each of them have been described to me by um, railroad employees as the best workers they ever had for railroad construction and maintenance. They're very similar to the Mohawk skyscraper builders that you may have heard about back east that, that for some reason have a particular knack at what they do, making them the best. That, that same description applies for the Native American railroad workers they could work from sunup to sundown bent over with sacks of spikes on either side of them placing them in pre-drilled holes going for miles like that without complaining about back aches or anything else but they were particularly good at it the Navajos were recruited off the reservation through the traders and the Lagunas um, had an agreement with the Atlantic and Pacific Railroad when it first came through and was headed toward Arizona um, into Mexico in 1880. <clears throat> but they, were, they both had their own physical descriptions, their own ways of doing things. And uh, the railroad absolutely loved Native American railroad workers for a lot of reasons.
1: Um, very good, Forrest. Let me uh, just jump in here. You just answered a question. Uh, we were along some railroad track in Las Vegas, New Mexico, recently, and I was asking one of our one of the guys that went along that really knows a lot, um, John McCarthy. I was asking him, do they did they just drive these you know those spikes into it, into the wood? Or did they pre-drill? I'm a carpenter by trade. I pre-drill everything, (laughs) and uh, and uh, you just answered that question. They went into a a pre-drilled hole. Right,
2: right, and there and there were individuals in that gang that were known as spike setters. That's all they did. Yeah, set up the guy behind them came with a mallet. And gave it a couple of wraps. Behind him was a guy with a nine-pound sledge that drove it home.
1: Oh wow, that's great! Wow.
0: So the um, the old folk song about John Henry was somewhat true that 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 there were individuals who were well known to be steel-driving men.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They were good at it, and they they were good at as I understand it from talking to these railroad track supervisors, they were good at repetitive tasks. Um, They were not particularly good um, if there was something different, if they came to a tie, for example, that didn't have a pre-drilled hole. That that caused some problems sometimes, not because they weren't smart enough to figure it out, but because their job was to put spikes in pre-drilled holes. And if there wasn't a hole, um, they were faced with the question, well, should I, should I start a hole or just go on to the next one? But the answer was you're supposed to go on to the next one. Don't do anything you're not assigned to do.
1: Wow. Uh, very interesting.
0: Now, Fred, who then um, ascertained that the work had been done very well and that paychecks should be issued and things like that? What...
2: for For each of these gangs and the gangs, there were different gangs for different things. But generally for rail construction and maintenance, there was a railroad track supervisor. He would be a, a, a longtime employee of the railroad and responsible for maintenance of way, responsible for the number of bolts being in a tie for no suspended joints over our, uh, a, a rail. <laughs> and he would have the say about whether or not the track was up to snuff and
0: worked with the, the gang. Oh. Well, it seems like they had fewer accidents or derailments than <coughs> uh, than happened these days. I mean, apparently with the, the nasty derail that they just had in Montana yeah. was um a- avoidable. It just it, you know, the, the 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 rail was not spiked down well. Yeah. what you know, one other reason that the railroad
2: maintenance and management loved the Native American steel gangs, there were a couple of things. If one member of the crew didn't show up for work one day, the next day, two replaced him. If there were any discipline problems within the gangs, the Native guys took care of it themselves. And if any of the the workers were injured, they didn't apply for workman's comp. They either took care of, of it themselves and there was often a medicine man that accompanied the crews this was back in the in the early 1900s <clears throat> or or they simply didn't file for workman's comp and of course the railroads loved that too
1: mm-hmm. hey Forrest, let me sneak a question in here I, and i'm just going to back up a little bit to the uh, the spikes and the pre-drilled holes and stuff is we have moved toward um concrete ties. How is that att- attachment done now?
2: It's done with spring clips.
1: Oh, spring uh, clips.
2: Yeah, they they it looks like a pig's tail. And and the the development of those clips had a long progression because one of the problems when they were first switching to concrete ties was that. On a curve, the outside rail was under a lot of pressure, and often those clips would break off, and if it was in a pasture, (laughs) it was not unheard of to see dead cows there with a clip that went right through them. Wow. They they were under such a degree of torque. But the other problem that they had with concrete ties when they migrated from oak to concrete was that the bottom of those um, concrete ties were so slick that they didn't maintain the gauge and they they began to work and shift, but they've got both of those items perfected now, so that concrete is the way that all the the class ones and the short lines are going.
1: That'll be darned. Very interesting. Wow.
0: Interesting. Now, um, how many? Well, how many tribal members were were they in some of these groups or these? Big groups, small groups. But, uh... They tended to be lo- uh, large groups for the
2: laying of track and for the maintenance, but <clears throat> there was also section groups too, that would consist of much smaller amounts. Like, you know, between eight and 10 guys would have, uh, Oh, three to five miles that they were supposed to maintain. And they would, they would do that either changing out rail or, uh, joint bars, um, tie plates, whatever needed to be done. And that, that. Um, occurred later
0: in the progression
2: of the of the two
0: and where did they live they probably didn't have anything as comfortable as this caboose that we're in here today
2: now they uh there were uh, bunk cars for the crews and uh it as uh, as you were mentioning for the uh hispanic railroad workers the mexican railroad workers the lagunas had their own villages boxcar villages Kids being born in those boxcar villages uh, were known as boxcar babies, and they're very proud of that that name now, and uh, it's a source of pride to be known as a boxcar baby. Those boxcar babies are 40 and 50 years old now, but they are very proud of their heritage
1: wow that is very interesting interesting for this guy knows his stuff <laughs> we're not going to have enough time
0: fred friedman knows his stuff boy that's for sure and, and um, um, don't ask my wife that
1: yeah no, so yeah. um Forrest, we're at about five minutes right now and so kind of oh, think boy we're how you want to roll this one out and then we'll get the next week started
0: Well, this has been a a wonderful interview with Fred Friedman, uh, who is an historian, who is a transportation planner, who uh, lives in Santa Fe and um, knows a lot about the Native American uh, Thai gangs or steel gangs. I guess they they call them more steel gangs back in in my day. Yeah, they are. And and, um, who uh, lived, literally lived out on the rails. And and, um, that's... uh, That's a pretty, pretty esoteric subject, but pretty important one as we move into the new century here, uh, which we're moving into. Believe it or not, Fred, we are. (laughs) And uh, yeah, really, really interesting. And um, well, we've only we've only got a short amount of time left. Well, um, in this segment now, next segment, let's we'll get maybe get more specific. But also in this segment, we talked a little bit about. The possibility of some more of these Fred Harvey hotels coming back. Now, our, our little rail travel group, we just stayed in uh, what I thought was was a lovely restoration of a hotel. In and uh, what was so nice about the restoration was that it looked to me as though they had uh, really tried to keep the dimensions of the rooms the same, keep the washstands in the rooms the same. And um, and and this, the, and it's it, it was called the La Castaneda after as you know the chronicler who uh, chronicled all so many of the early early history of New Mexico, and Colorado too a little bit, um, and who had so many questions. He did Castaneda had so many questions about what in the world Spain was going to do with these colonies and do with these Native American folks, and uh, outlined early on the problems we're going to have. And boy, did we have them. So um, interesting to name a hotel after somebody like that. And um, so, wow, we've got several topics to cover here in the next hour. Uh, Fred, what topics do you want us to cover that we haven't gotten to yet? I think one
2: thing that w- would be interesting is uh, the answer to the question, how did the native rail workers learn their skills? They couldn't have learned it on the reservation. Um, that's a question that I asked uh, several of them and it's interesting. I got the same answer from all of them and it, was, and it wasn't by going online. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true.
1: And we'll, that is true. We'll delve into that in the uh, next episode. And um, you've got a couple minutes for us to, uh, that we'll close this thing out.
0: Well, well just minutes. just to say just very briefly, we've got another guest coming on the show here. <clears throat> in fact, tomorrow. We're going to ask him a little bit more about that, about staying in these hotels. Okay. We're down to the down to the minute here on this one. Let's say say high ball, and uh, park the caboose here along the side until we come right right back. So count to three: one, two, three. High ball! High ball! High ball! High ball! High ball.